Hello and welcome back, Sprudes and Spruettes, to episode four of Trapped Under Plastic. And here we are here in we your are. basement. In my basement. My name's Scott, and this is... This is John. Welcome back. I just ate a big burrito, and I'm kind of sleepy. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> Not now, John. Oh, right. The camera's rolling. We can't do this. Woo! All right. I'll, I'll wake up. Wake right. up. Welcome to Trapped Under Plastic. It is the podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiast. We talk about all things related to the hobby. Uh, we are publishing our podcast every other Monday. So if you're watching this on a Monday, we will have it the following Monday after the next Monday. <laughs> to say that's, it in the most confusing way I can. Yeah. No, that's not complicated at all. <laughs> every other Monday. There'll all right? be a Monday. And if there's not one on that Monday, the Monday previous, the Monday after will also be the Monday. And if there isn't one on that Monday, call the cops because we're dead. Yes. Because nothing would stop us from publishing a podcast. Nothing. Nothing. If you if you smell it coming from the basement, that's our corpses. <laughs> <laughs> you can find this podcast on all places where you can normally find podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. 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 Or if you're watching us on YouTube, we're always here as well. Yeah. If you want to see it while you hear it. Yes. If you want to see our lovely faces. Uh, aka adults with acne um, <laughs> <laughs> you can check us out there on youtube as well they can't grow full beards <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> baby face Woo! all right uh normally in this podcast we start by talking about what we've been painting in these last two weeks uh so john what have you painted normally we start this podcast by uh, talking about what we've painted in the last two weeks so john i want to kick us off yeah, so a couple episodes I talked about that I, I experimented with uh, Chimera paints mm. on the cloak, just the back of a cloak of a necromancer <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I converted. And so I've decided that I I need to finish that necromancer, uh, but not with Chimera paints. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to do? So uh, I started uh, back with, I use mostly the P3 and Pro Acryl. It doesn't matter. I use whatever paints like I can grab. But I'm in the process of like, I'm in this slightly homelessness state in my painting location right now Okay. because we were going to move houses. We were in the process of putting our house on the market and looking at houses. So I like get our house ready for staging. So part of that was me like packing up my painting area so it didn't look like a nerd lived in our house. <laughs> and <laughs> that makes your house less valuable to people. Yeah, probably. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, so I had most of my stuff put away and then we decided by we, I mean my wife and <laughs> decided that we're not going to do that and instead are going to finish our basement and I'm going to have uh, a studio. I'm just going to call it a studio because I like saying that. Yeah. An art studio. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. In the basement. So I haven't like totally unpacked everything. So my paints are all over the place and in in boxes and tubs and whatever's on my station that's what i'm painting with but that okay. feels kind of good yeah actually what you said i think a lot of people are going to kind of resonate with and that's you you're painting with whatever is closest to you yeah that's how i paint too people are like people oftentimes get really obsessed about like what paint range people use and mm. what colors they use but literally the only reason i use scale 75 instead of those because it's right next to me <laughs> and i happen to buy it there may be better solutions for what i specifically want to do but you know i bought it i tried it out and i put it next to me and, and that's just what i use um 
I don't necessarily care to go and find out the specifics of every single brand and figure out what best works for me. I just, that, that sounds like a lot of work I don't want to do. Yeah. And don't read into it too much when he says what's right next to me. He doesn't mean like what is emotionally next to your creative juice flow process. No, it's physically the fit one that I can reach with my yeah. hand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Literally right next to me. <laughs> and uh, that too, I just got the Kickstarter notification. Speaking of more paint about the Nocturna paint set <laughs> yep, that I bought. Yep. You sucked me into buying that. Yes, I did. Peer pressured you right on in. Yeah. And it was like, oh, it's not too expensive. It's like, what, 25 bucks for a set? Yeah, for a full color And set. then they hit you with the $40 shipping. <laughs> right. What the heck? Are, is this going to come in like a like a gold like little gift box why does it cost yeah. 40 bucks oh yeah like each person involved in the process sends you a handwritten letter <laughs> i better get that <laughs> thanking me for supporting their endeavor Ugh. yeah well there's there's another thing with our my my paint issue of trying to find trying to find the perfect paint that if i if i had that perfect set of paint I would, I would never have to worry again. And right. That would, I'd just be painting like a madman. Right, yeah. No, I understand that. I mean, I'm just curious about it as well. Just curious, what range would I like the most if I knew how they all operated? Right. So I've been collecting a lot of paint ranges uh, at some point to do this test. So I have I have Army Painter, I have Vallejo, I have Citadel, I have... Um, Scale. Scale 75. I have the Nocturna ones coming on the way. I have Foundry, which is uh, an old English one that an old GW recipe used to be based on. Mm -hmm. I have Chimera. But again, I only use Scale 75 and Citadel because it's immediately next to me. Yeah. Um, there, All the other ones are in boxes in my closet. I, I don't want to go get them. It's too <laughs> much work. Um, but the only reason I have that is just, you know, to make a video about which one works the best for me. If I wasn't like a YouTuber, I seriously doubt that I would be buying all this paint. Yeah. I think that, I, I think the most important thing from what you just said there is best for me. Yeah. 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 Because there's no paint that's just straight up better. Like we, we all score them out of a hundred and one is legitimately a 97, one's a 94. So you just buy the 97. Like that's not how it works. Right. And, and you know, I think a lot of times what's best is a mixture of brands based on the properties. Like I will probably always have scale 75 paints that I use uh, for various things because they are so matte. So when painting things like if I want to paint leather, oftentimes the exterior of leather is kind of shiny, but when leather tarnishes and shows the under part, it shows kind of like a rougher matted down thing. So maybe I'll use scale 75 for that wear and tear or any of the time where matteness is important Yep. because I don't have to varnish the paint after that to get to that matteness. It's already there. So not only is it efficient, but it's, you know, convenient. Mm. You said earlier, you said the word properties, and I can't ever hear that word without it being Duncan saying it in my head. Properties. Properties. <laughs> you can't thin wash with water because you need to preserve its properties. His properties. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't good, talk like that. Good old Duncan. I wish he did. No. Duncan, if you want to come on the show, we won't fly you out, but we'd love to have you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in the budget yet. Yeah. If you just want to send us a picture of your face. It'll just... Stick it right we'll, here. We'll tape it to the wall. And then we'll, John will pretend to do your accent. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we won't do that. Okay. So you painted or you started to paint the Necromancer. I'm almost, I'm almost done with them. Oh, nice. Yeah. I haven't and I've seen any updates on Instagram. What's the deal there? Uh, Cause he doesn't look very good right now. Okay. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. 
You know that ass part where you're just like, ah. Yes. And I am, I'm surely there. And I, I'm trying to like do non-metallic metal super fast. Okay. Which is freeing because the one thing about metallics in the real world is there's not a hard and fast science to how light works with them. Like there no. is the, the reversed kind of. There is hard and fast science. <laughs> the, the, silence there is hard and fast silence but it is impossible for a human to recreate what would naturally happen yes so it's uh, to me it's more like all right i know some of the basic the basic understandings of the highest um you know highest highlights where light is reflecting at com- purely perpendicular surface to your source of your light and how it color goes the opposite direction where it usually would be darker as you go further away it's actually gets lighter with metal and that kind of thing but mm. besides the the kind of your couple staples from there it's so many variables in the real world of what makes it look like metal yeah so i'm just trying to go fast and just like go with my gut yeah um and it doesn't look horrible it doesn't look good it doesn't look horrible right i just want to i want it done fast yeah you want to look good five foot kind yeah. of thing yeah I think the the biggest time saver when doing that is just not fussing about blending, you know. Oh yeah, just getting getting the highlights and the shadows in the right spot, and then just letting them exist in kind of their rough state. Yeah, I think that, and I, I have done that. I want to do like a to be more like a bronze. I'm just doing. Here's the other thing: if you want to do stuff fast, is have all the metallics on the mini be the same kind of metallic. Right. Yeah. Everything on this dude is going to be bronze if it's metal. Right. And that makes it quicker. You're going through the process. Um, Just what, in general, I, using less colors makes the process faster. It's that's the truth. Silver is a little bit different because it's kind of a a neutral. But even then, depending on how much reflection you have in the silver, and it could anyway. Um, but I I I've did not worry about blending at all. I just wanted really bold colors for each step, and then I went through with a um, like an orange ink. It just kind of swashed over there to try to increase the bronze feel a little bit with a little bit more oranginess, like a rusty orange to it. Okay. And that does help a bit to kind of blur your lines while yeah, increasing yeah. your saturation. Right. Yeah. Just kind of applying a filter over the whole thing. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's cool. what I've been working on. All right. Cool. What about you? Um, I've worked on, uh, I've started a bust. Um, a, I think it's called the Death Corpse Krieg bust. Um, for a commission, uh, uh, someone 3D printed the bust and sent it to me. Um, and I've started on that. I've started painting the blue jacket and kind of just working out how to blend. I, I, I've painted two busts in my life, so I'm mm-hmm. by no means a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. Um, and while painting this, I kind of I, I had a moment of realization. I think I might have messaged you and told you this, and I was like, I have no idea how to blend because <laughs> whatever I'm doing is, is lawless. It is unrefined and it is just, it feels like I'm just being a stupid person with the paintbrush. Um, so it made me want to kind of just, I don't know, take a step back from my painting and be like, I need to have a deliberate way to do this because how I do it is incredibly difficult to explain to people because it's just like I'm slathering this paint on and I just keep slathering until it looks good. And it's like, how does someone else do that? Yeah. Um, so I took a little pause from that because it's taking longer than I anticipated because it's a big model, lots of area to blend. 
Mm-hmm. And I started to work on uh, some some bases for a video, and I've done four so far. I have a kind of like the deck of a ship, and it, oh. it has a tentacle, and it that one board kind of snapped up, and the tentacle like kind of stuck out. You know, yep. it was like an evil sea monster. So that's one. I did a graveyard that was rainy, so there's mud and footprints and in the footprints there are pools of rain oh. uh, and I did, I did a custom made uh, gravestone and then like a zombie hand sticking out of the ground next to it somebody's been robbing some graves Heck you yeah. stole that you told that story yeah, yeah. exactly I like that I was Just, thinking about putting cobwebs on it and then seeing if I could put little beads of rain on the cobweb oh. I didn't. I didn't do it, but I was curious if that would work out for some idea at some point. Oh, I should put. I should put leaves. Okay, I have to add that. Yeah, leaves with droplets on it, or just like you know, kind of like muddy. This is more diversity, muddy leaves and whatnot. Because for the mud, I used uh, golden matte gel medium, which is nowhere near matte. It's <laughs> it's satin, if anything, leaning towards glossy. Um, and I mixed. Uh, a pigment that I have with it. And then I slopped that onto the base and then took like a sculpting tool and kind of put little impressions in it. And the Mm -hmm. longer it dried, the more sculptable and kind of rubbery Mm -hmm. it was. And then once I had those fully dried, then I took some dimensional magic, mixed it with uh, actually a contrast paint, a green one, and then kind of pooled that into those recesses. So that was fun. Um, And then I did this other one where I took a mold of a rock I found in my backyard mm-hmm. with rubber latex and then filled up the mold with hydrocal, which is like, imagine, I don't know. It's like, it's almost like drywall compound when it dries, yeah. like a hard, easy to sand finish. Yeah. And I took that and I smacked that on top of a base and super glued it down. So it's like, you get this really naturalistic rock structure by just casting it from a rock you found in your backyard. So I had a lot of fun with that. And then the fourth one is like a sci-fi outpost, which is like, it has the, uh, I forget what it's it's called, like the the metal diamond plate floors, uh, fences with handrails, like a sci-fi kind of like tower with like a little power box with cables hanging out of it. But it's, I love doing this because it kind of scratches someone made a comment and I totally agree with this on a previous video was that it scratches the diorama making itch. Yeah. While just being a tiny thing yeah. and not being, you know, very hard to accomplish. Yeah. It's you quickly find some part of making that giant diorama that you're way over your head. on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So this, you don't go over your head too much during this process. Cause this is nice and lightweight and, and easy to do. You think there's value in making a mold of a rock rather than just getting a rock? Um, yeah, well, here's why. Um, when I cast something in HydroCal, one side is completely flat. Uh, sure. Because that's where the mold ended, or not ended, but that's where it filled up to. Mm-hmm. And so that flat part, I can just face right down on a base and glue it right there. If I were to use a rock, um, it'd be hard to find a rock with a flat side. But yeah. y- you can... Um, and bark is a good substitute for rock. Mm-hmm. Typically one half of it is pretty flat and you can just slap it on there. Yeah. Um, but I did that in a previous video. So I wanted to show kind of a different idea. You're taking the next step. The next step. The yes. next step of actually casting some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's really good if you want to do a bunch of them as well. Like I, you know, I want to have 
all these guys to feel like they're coming from the same planet or whatever. And sure, yeah. It's a lot easier to pop those out to try to find like 60 rocks in your backyard that all look <laughs> similar. <laughs> yes, that can get kind of tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next step after that is, of course, casting your own bases for your army. So like once you've had like a design, you have like five varieties of a design laid out, making a mold and casting them in resin and mm-hmm. making your own scenic bases. Uh, what is the right word? Scenic bases? Or the right, like, you know, custom bases for your army that you can just batch out in a mold with like resin. It sounds like such a good idea. Yeah. It sounds, I don't know. Does that sound like a lot of work? It's nice because then everything is based right away. You don't yeah. have to do any work, but I think of, it sounds, I think I like it better in a more um, industrial setting than I do in a natural one. Sure. Because I think it's pretty quick with dirt from outside oh, and, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that to, you know, yeah. even if you want to spice it up like you did with your graveyard, it f- still feels like you have a little bit more creative freedom and adding the extra little spicy bits at the end as opposed to casting that. Sure, yeah. That makes sense. Like things that are hard to replicate makes sense to reproduce, but if you're just smacking dirt on and a few tufts, there's not really any point. Just toughed it out, man. Yeah, toughed it up. Toughed it out. All the prepositions. <laughs> well, looks like we did uh, accomplish something in the last two weeks. We did, yeah. So those we're of you that accomplished something in the last two weeks. Oh, yeah, we're doing this. Yeah. You know, I'm going to hold you accountable. Yeah. What so, did you guys do in the last two weeks? Right? Yeah. Let us know. If you're on YouTube, put it down below. If we eventually get a Facebook page, put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have that set up yet because we're uh, we're lazy. Yeah. But that's okay. Sometimes soon maybe. But if we should do that, let us know that so then we can stop procrastinating. Because if nobody <laughs> says anything, we're just not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So... Uh, that's what we've painted the last uh, two weeks. Now we're going to just talk about the discussion topic. And, uh, you know, we're, we're a few episodes deep and maybe you don't know John and I from our other creative endeavors on Instagram and Facebook and, and YouTube. Um, so we thought we'd do an episode just introducing us, talking about our background in miniature painting, talking about why we love it so much. And, you know, you can get to know us more as uh, as podcast hosts. Yeah. And maybe there's something here that resonates with you guys or something you're going through or recently went through in your journey in the hobby. And I thought, so I, I'm always interested to hear people's stories because oftentimes I'll take away something where I'd feel like, oh, okay, I wasn't the only person that felt like I'm going through that. Or mm-hmm. I'm not the, like, okay, this is something that I can handle because this person, you know, they told me how they figured it out. So, okay. Yeah. Anyway. No, that, yeah, that's a good point. And my sappy story of, why this should be good and you guys should listen. <laughs> <laughs> Please listen. There's educational bits. <laughs> so who should go first, you or me? Uh, where do we want to start with? So I, I want to start from the very beginning, the womb. The womb. <laughs> the hobby womb. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, man. It's, it's deep. Like I, I just picture that somebody saying hobby room with a lisp. <laughs> Welcome to my hobby womb. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that a lisp? That's just a speech impediment. Oh. A lisp is this. I don't. I, I didn't pronouncing... know if those were interchangeable terms. Well, a lisp is a speech impediment. I have a speech impediment, or like various f- words will lock my jaw up, but it's not a lisp. That sounds like a technical disorder. <laughs> Are you saying <laughs> something right now about me? I don't. I mean, I mean, if it's a jaw issue, that's not like you just can't say a letter R. 
Well, I don't know if it's a jaw issue or I'm pretty sure it's a speech impediment, but there'll be times where you'll probably see me struggle to get a phrase or a word out and know that I am. I just thought you're a little special. <laughs> you know, yeah, I am, you know, but in a good way. Yeah. Sure. How about how about you go first? Just because we can't decide. Let you me go drink first. a let me drink a drink of this delicious diet Mountain Dew first. Okay. Fill this fill the dead air. Please. And while while John is drinking the diet, do, preparing for his monologue, note that the one dollar tier on our Patreon is called Soda Supplier, and all the one dollar tier patrons supplied this diet Dew for John. So thank you. Shout out to all you guys. All right, he's done. He's wetted his palate and is now prepared. Oh, I like that wet palate on Tundra. Oh, that was not intentional, but that worked. Yes. Yeah, you gotta gotta give yourself more credit. It was intentional. <laughs> there you go. I'm clever. Oh, super smart. Um. Okay. So, uh, I haven't painted for all that long. We're coming up on three years that I've been. <laughs> Can painting. I stop you already? What? <laughs> I remember recently when you post on Instagram and you were like. It was like, this is my first mini. And it was like, you know, this Stormcast Eternal that looked pretty great, you yeah. know? And everyone, did you post that to antagonize people a little bit? No, I post, well, I posted that because I was doing the interview with Vince Vincerella. Yeah. And I know that he pulls up stuff that you've worked on and to share as part of the interview thing. And right. I was like, oh crap, I realized none of my early stuff has I had on Instagram. I've only been on Instagram for like a year. Okay. And so I'm like, Oh, I know one of the things he wanted to talk about or I want to talk about or usually comes up is I haven't been painting all that long. And so I thought that would be, I'll put that picture up, that, that mini up there. I don't, I'm not trying to do it to be like, her, 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 her. Like, I think anybody, anybody on your first mini, if you wanted to put a hundred hours in, like I did on that one mini, you could do it too. Oh, wow. Okay. So that there's the backstory to that one mini. Yeah. That's, okay. that's not me going like boop, 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 in an afternoon and it's done. No, no, no. I wanted it to be perfect and I just kept doing it. I've repainted that thing three times because, uh, you know, so technically it might be my third mini. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry to interrupt. No, Proceed. that's okay. That's okay. Um, so yeah, if you go check out my Instagram, you can see the first miniature that I ever painted. But it isn't the first one. There was one before that when you were younger, wasn't there? I, oh, okay. Maybe. No, not really. Okay. I started, I started one with the craft paints and realized I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Okay. Um, so my my background is in Dungeons and Dragons, and really how I got into this whole thing is I've been playing D anD D for like twenty five years, and when we first started for the first like fifteen years or ten years or whatever playing Dungeons and Dragons, we never played with miniatures. It was all in your imagination, like hardcore people do, you know. So if I say there's seven skeletons across the room, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Mm. Well, in my D and D campaign, I am a I'm a wood elf monk, so I don't know. I'd I'd you, fight you, them. <laughs> you'd fight them. Uh, I'm terrible at this, right? So the, here's the thing: is when when I just say that, and and it asks more of a dungeon master to paint a picture in your brain if they don't have a board where you can see the physical distance between you and the six skeletons in this scenario. Oh, so I should ask. So you would be like, well, how far away are they? You know, what do they look like? What kind of weapons do they have? What part of the room are they in? Is there a hallway behind them? Are they behind uh, like bars of a, of a grate or something like that? Like a DM has to explain all that, but 
you know, young kids these days playing Dungeons and Dragons, and all they do is they throw their little pre-painted minis on the board, and they don't have to be descriptive with their words. Oh, I'm kind of sensing a little bit of uh, saltiness about this. No, not necessarily. Um, it's a lot less work and pain in the butt if you have miniatures to aid you. And there's, there's I feel like there's a middle ground there, but this is... I'm getting on to something that has nothing to do with this podcast is Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but eventually we integrated minis and it really helped things out from a, making sure everyone around the table understands what the same scenario, right? We all know the size of the room. Exactly. We all know where we are in relation to each other. We all know exactly where the skeletons are. And so it speeds up the, uh, the transference of information quicker so we get to the fun stuff. And so we added those. Um, we had bought, um, my friends and I at this point, we had, we had bought some of these pewter minis. Um, a first one I, I bought at a mall. It was just a general night. Um, and it looked like garbage. Eventually we, um, we found that Wizards of the Coast, well, it wasn't, this was separate. This was before Wizards of the Coast owned TSR, which is Dungeons and Dragons. But Wizards of the Coast had some some licensing with them, and so they had their own pewter um, D&D miniatures that we could buy. And so we bought a couple of those, and I, I got a barbarian that I was going to paint. It was my dude. I was going to paint him up, and I got craft store paint, like took some paintbrushes for my mom or something, and I got like, not even the base code of the whole thing on there. I'm like, this looks absolutely terrible. How old are you at this point? 13, 14. Okay. So you're 13. You're playing D and D with your friends. You go and find a pewter knight at a mall store. Mm -hmm. The kind of store that sells like swords. Yes. And wands. Yes. And dice bags. No, no, they don't sell those. They, it's a, uh, you know what the term mall ninja is? Have you ever heard of this? No. So, oh gosh. it's hard to explain if you don't know what a mall ninja is, but a mall ninja is the kind of person that buys like martial arts, <laughs> Throwing save, yeah, save the world from like impending zombie destruction, all these weird things, but they're not like actual usable katanas. <laughs> um, so yeah so it was it's the mall ninja store where you could buy throwing stars and katanas and barbarian swords as well as like tobacco pipes and right incense and all that kind of stuff and they had these you know what i called pewter wizards with crystals and that's exactly what they were that's where i got my knight for like 26 us dollars (laughs) yeah what was the scale of this thing was it like 28 millimeter yeah okay okay yeah they were probably for the game but they i don't think they were like ralpartha or something they may have been. I, I don't know. I don't see any mark on the bottom. I still have that. Oh, wow. I have that knight. He's downstairs in my box of shame. Video idea. Oh, my gosh. Paint your first ever mini you bought? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I should do that. It sculpt looks god awful, though. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's going to be rough. Okay. So you bought a barbarian. Did you prime it? No. Uh-huh. You didn't prime it. You started painting it with apple barrel paints or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was Folk the craft art. paints. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then what? And I realized that was terrible and I didn't want, I didn't like it at all. And so I stopped. He's still like half painted somewhere. He might, I might be able to find him actually. So he was half painted and, uh, and, uh, that was it. Um, we didn't really buy more. We're, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. We didn't have any money. And when we had money, we spent it on Dungeons and Dragons books and magic cards. That's what we spent money on. Okay. okay. We didn't spend it on miniatures because we'd use like dice or, pennies or whatever to represent the goblins and stuff like that um 
And then before, right after I graduated college, so it was probably, you know, another 20 years after that point, I, um, the store that is currently just down the road from your house, the source. Yeah. In its prior location. Do you know where it was prior to where it is now? No, no. Okay. So anyway, it's basically south, like a half a mile. Okay. So where the Warner Stallion is now. Like nobody cares about this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. The Warner Stallion, John. Uh (laughs) Um, So... I lived in an apartment complex out of college near there, and I'd go there to just like check out nerd stuff because I still like comic books and like right, yeah. you know D and D stuff. And they had confrontation minis, so this was a big deal. Rackham confrontation. This is still one I considered. Rackham. Rackham is the name of the company. Confrontation D- was the name of the game. Don't you say Rackham? There's an H in there. What are you a barbarian? I think it's. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've always heard of Rackham. Rackham. I like Rackham. <laughs> I have a rack. <laughs> two syllables. The H is not silent. Um, and I just thought they were the coolest freaking miniatures ever. Um, and so I bought a whole bunch of those, thinking I was going to paint them for like D and D. And at this point, all my friends lived an hour and a half away, so I wasn't playing D and D either. Mm. I was playing a lot of World of Warcraft. Oh. And uh, so. I, I got those, never painted any of them. <laughs> I still have all those in their, bo- their packages too. Dang, dude. So yeah, I didn't paint. I didn't start painting there. And then, gosh, this is a long damn story. No, no, no it's, painted it's fine. I want to, I want to hear it all. Okay. Um, eventually I moved back down to where I live now. And buddy that I played D and D with, he's like, Hey, there's a store over here. They're having this miniature painting competition. The miniatures look pretty sweet. We could even use them for D and D. And I'm like, all right, cool. So we go over there. And they were painting up the Age of Sigmar starter box. Okay. So how old are we now? Are you like 22, 24? No, this is three years ago. Wait, we went from, you were 13. Yeah. Well, in college, I was like, you know, 22, 23. Yeah. With the source. Okay. And then from there to where this story is picking up, this was like 10, 12 years later okay. after that. Okay. Um, And so... We go there, I see them, and it's the Age of Sigmar starter box with the Stormcast Eternals versus the Corn Dudes. And holy crap, the quality of those miniatures. It's insane. I hadn't been exposed to 40K or Age of Sigmar or anything GW um, since like the Derpy Orcs, <laughs> which are still out there. Oh, yeah. For both 40K and for Age of Sigmar. They but, have fists the size of their faces. Yeah, and it's just the same, like, He-Man pose yeah. where they're, like, they're out. Yeah, it's just really awkward. But these ones were, like, they put some effort in, man. These things look super cool. Look like bad A nights. And so I'm like, here's my $5. I'm joining a competition. I'm going to learn to paint. And so that's the miniature that's on Instagram. And I just, I'm like, well, there's got to be, YouTube's got to teach me how to paint, right? And it does. It does. It does teach you how to paint. Yeah. That was a big thing of when I was younger is, I mean, and that people talk about white dwarf and stuff, but like, that's what, that's what you had. Yeah. Like I didn't know where to begin. I think that was probably a big issue with me not getting over that hurdle earlier. If I go back to that first mini I painted with craft paints, if I would have had access to a, a single issue of white dwarf at that age, I think I would have given it a, a real go. Because I could see what it could be. I could see that the steps that I'm taking by following their steps will get me to where the end result is. And even though early on it doesn't look right to me, I know that I just got to keep trying. Mm. But when you have no access to any of that, like you just don't know if you're off track or on track or this just is always going to look stupid and 
my friends are gonna laugh at me so right yeah youtube wasn't really a thing yet um no the internet wasn't a thing yet <laughs> to date yourself there yeah John. yeah there was an internet i was 12 years old i was like i was like 94 95 <laughs> you weren't even born yet <laughs> i was two i was two years old yeah yeah what well, do you think you were on america online when you were two? <laughs> yeah aol baby <laughs> yeah um yeah so then that was just kind of it just really dug into everything online okay all the you know painting buddha was my jam still is my jam single tier Single tier for Ben comments putting up. Oh, for... oh, okay. When you're saying tier, I thought you were saying T I E R, but you're saying T E A R. Yeah. Okay. Single tier for Ben comments not making content on there anymore. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Painting Buddha is is great. Like at the time, there were no literal professional miniature painters, kind of basically showing their entire process. Right. And so Painting Buddha was cool because like it wasn't just Ben comments. It was also uh, it's also Matt. I don't know how to pronounce his last name without Sex Wish. Is it Sex Wish or is it Sewish? I don't know. Matt was doing it. Um, uh, Alfonso Heraldez did one. I don't think that ever saw the light of day. Um, the the great big Russian bear, uh, Kirill oh. Kanayev did one. These yeah. were ones that were behind their Patreon paywall or yeah. that you could pay for. I want to find that DVD series. Like I want to own that. Yeah. It'd be cool. It'd be cool to see. Um, I'd probably never watch it, but it would be cool to have it. Say right. I had it. Yeah. But yeah, they were doing, they were doing cool stuff. Um, someone who did something similar was, was miniature mentor. Um, but all mm. their stuff was, was paid for painting Buddha was special and unique because they were just putting it on, on YouTube for free, or at least a lot of it was for free. Yeah. Um, so that, that was cool. Yeah. So that was my kind of initiation. And I think a big thing that helped me there is those video series show you every brushstroke. So it wasn't one thing that I have an issue with in much of the content today. And it's, it's, there's an issue with it because of logistics, especially with guys like us that are slapping around paint and don't know where the hell we're going. Right. Is there's like this mystical part between what they show me and then they cut and they show me later. I'm like, well, what did you do between those two steps? Cause now it looks way better, man. Yeah. I can't copy that. You don't tell me how to do that. Right. Yeah. And this is the, uh, that's a tough thing to deal with. Ben comments is so freaking good. He would be like, and it'd look amazing. And you're like, okay, all right then I could do that. I could do that. Then you try and then you fail. No, I cannot do that. But, but, but at least I know it's see, possible. At least you see it. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's possible. So I think we should probably talk briefly before you get into your long ass story of <laughs> how you started miniature painting. Uh, so you talk about, oh, we met. Yeah. Because a lot of people think that we've been like friends since we were little kids and stuff like that. Which is really endearing, but he's like my dad <laughs> yeah. in terms of age difference. No, yeah, I'm just literally. He's seven. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy. Um, so I was painting for like, I don't know, six months, eight months or something like that. And I, again, watching all these videos online and I saw your video that you did while you were at the source. And I was like, holy crap, I know that store. Because mm. I've been watching your videos prior to that. I remember when Josh and I, who's our friend that goes to Adepticon with us, he's like, you should check out this video. This guy started his shirt on fire to see how to paint it. I was like, oh my gosh. Because we were trying to find painting stuff on YouTube that was entertaining and educational. And so, and we struggled to find such a thing. <laughs> but yeah. that that kind of was like my first uh, experience of that. Okay. Where it was entertaining and it was interesting 
And I also felt like I'm learning how to be a better painter. So anyway, I get your video where you're in the source and you're like, holy crap, do you, this dude lives in Minnesota. I live in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. So I just emailed you on Miniac at Miniac.com or something like that. Scott at Miniac. Oh, yeah, I whatever. Say that. Oh, yeah. People emailing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's odd you're YouTube, but anyway. So I email you and I'm like, hey, bro, you want to paint some minis sometime? I love your stuff. I'm I'm mini painter. And you're like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like right away you responded. Like it was like it wasn't even an email. Like it was a text message. You're like, sure. Yeah. See, if I can interject, <laughs> uh, this was, I think I had twenty thousand subscribers at this point, maybe twenty to thirty. Yeah, somewhere in there. And I I never received emails from people who were like a fan of the YouTube channel. So this mm. was really new to me. Mm. Uh, now. I have a much different approach to how I interact with uh, fans of the channel um, via email and in other ways. It's not like a, a negative way. But... <laughs> this is like your caveat, don't do what John did because I'm not going to respond to say you can come to my house. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like whenever someone reaches out to you on the internet, you shouldn't invite them to your house, you know. And that was the first time John and I met. He, we, he was like, you want to get a beer or something? And then I was like... I said sure because like I like to act cool. I don't actually <laughs> like beer at all. Ew. Um, so yeah, the first time you came over was this is my house, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we just like built models or something or painted or something. I don't I, remember. I feel like we painted. Yeah, because you were painting one of your wood elf heroes. I remember that. And the were... dude with the the eagle holding the eagle. Yeah. Oh no, that was at your house. I painted the Nomad Prince. Maybe, oh, maybe, it? maybe it was in both. Sessions. Unimportant detail. Unimportant, but yeah. So yeah, he sent me an email, and I was working in my desk job at Cray, which is a software engineering company. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, cool, what's this?" And then I responded, and uh, yeah, I, I invited him to my house. Yeah. And my wife was like, "What are you doing, you idiot?" <laughs> yes. Um, and she was probably right. Yeah, I mean. Honesty is probably the luckiest thing that ever happened to me because he turned out to be a a, a good miniature painter, a dang good miniature painter, not a psychopath, right, yeah. pretty well-spoken person that could host several of the videos on my YouTube channel yeah. and then an eventual podcast partner. That's crazy lucky. Yeah. So. But see, the, the, the yin to that yang was that you had taken an adventurous step which and you had some experience and i could pick your brain on things mm-hmm. and that set me on a path to where it's like oh this is super cool like it's, the art is one thing this is another aspect of it that i also very much enjoy even prior to getting into miniature painting and stuff so you're talking about a teaching and, and being funny <laughs> <laughs> being a general awesome human being oh. these are all things yes so yeah, that that's that's the whole story up yeah. up until now, and now you're competing in miniature painting competitions, taking away W's. Yeah, and yeah, you're you're the man you are right now. Yeah, as as of today, this is the man I am. <laughs> yep, um, <laughs> that's how that works out. You're right. Oh, okay, I get how that works. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was it. Was it came really quick too? I think with, with you and I, <laughs> and like it like hitting on all cylinders really quick we have a awkward very very similar personality in in thinking process yeah it's really strange even just down to the things that we like yeah we're both very much a fan of undead things and vampire things and just bad guys in general 
We both are self-professed ping pong professionals. That was the creepiest one. And we just learned this like last week, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that like, okay, two nerds that liked computer games and painting little plastic men. Oh, we also really love ping pong. Like yeah. what? Yeah, ping pong. We're both self-professed tryhards in everything that we do. Whenever, yeah. whenever I do anything, I need to know that I'm doing it the best that I can be doing it, and I need to fully invest in something. Like I can't play video games and not crush at them. And if I'm not crushing, I need to be like training hard. Yeah, because um, I I need to get there. Yes, yes. Yeah, even if one day just like nope, you take a left turn and just commit yourself to something else. Yeah, yeah. I need yeah. to either be training to crush or be crushing. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's how that has worked out. So, but it's strange, but it works out well so far. So far, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be like a VH1 special on this eventually of like <laughs> what went wrong, how you betrayed me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just like set your house on fire. And we'll <laughs> be like, I knew it all along. <laughs> yeah, that was it. This whole time, there was obvious, you know, little key points that she picked up on that you were like. No, he's cool. <laughs> We're good. We're good. We're good. This should all turn out for the better. <laughs> all right. So enough about me and and you. I mean us. Let's do you. Okay. I I, uh, I lived in southeast Wisconsin, and there was a mall called Gurney Mills that my mom took me to. And I hated going to the mall with my mom because we shopped at a bunch of places that I hated. And this was like when I was 12. Mm-hmm. And there was a store in the mall called Games Workshop. And one time I, I worked up the courage to ask my mom if I could go in and look at the models in that store. And I remember being immediately drawn to high elves, the high elf battalion box, the one in the picture, it was a uh, fifth edition or fourth edition Warhammer fantasy, fifth edition fantasy. Um, and I remember it and I was like, this is awesome. I want this. And uh, my mom saw the demons in uh, <laughs> fantasy and she was like, we ain't doing this, but She's a Lord of the Rings fan. Uh-huh. And the back wall in the games workshop was all Lord of the Rings stuff. And so that was my entry into the hobby was the Lord of the Rings stuff. My mom bought it for me. We painted it together and it was a ton of fun. And uh, I got some of my friends in grade school. This is when like what I was in fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And so got my friends into it. We were playing the game, painting the game, and basically what we would do is we would all climb into some mom's minivan, mm-hmm. go to the GW at the mall. They'd drop us off at 10 a.m. when the store opens, and they'd pick us up at 8 p.m. when the store closes. Nice. So we were just there 10 hours, you know. It was so much fun because you could, like, go to the mall food court, eat oh, Chinese yeah. food. Get the Sabaro crappy pizza. You know, play two games maybe, paint maybe. some minis, and just, like, hang out with a bunch of geeks. It was it was so much fun. But – um, eventually, uh, I had my, you know, I had my, the original love was fantasy. Mm-hmm. So before I did fantasy, I did 40 K. I, I played orcs and necrons and I had those two. I didn't really play necrons. I just bought the models, but I played orcs a few games. And this is fifth edition, uh, 40 K. Um, my friends played some 40 K too. Um, but that was kind of a fling, you know, and, and from 40 K, I finally got into fantasy. And I played three armies. I played Empire, like the the men, mm-hmm. um, specifically Middenheim, uh, which are like the frosty men. They're like the wolf boys. Frosty men. Yeah. It's like if, if space wolves were normal dudes, that's Middenheim. Oh. That's, that's Middenheim. Okay. Um, then I played vampire counts. Of course. Absolutely. 
which at the time was uh, was all things undead. Vampires, zombies, skeletons, banshees, tomb cairns. They were all one army called vampire counts with vampires leading them. Um, As it should be. Yeah. That was that was the time to be alive right there. <laughs> um, I, I remember like the I picked the Strigoi bloodline because you could pick four bloodlines for your vampires. And Strigoi were the Bastille ones. Basically, they were the progenitor of flesh eater courts. The oh. kind of more monstrous vampires. The first ones that lost their minds. And yeah, you know, are like eating corpses and drinking blood from corpses. Like when you do that, you start to go off the deep end as a vampire. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's pretty vampire one one. Don't yeah. do not do. Yeah, right. Yeah, learn that. Okay, um, and then but then after that, after vampires, I uh, I found a new love, wood elves, mm-hmm. which John does not approve of. This is where we just this is this, this is where we. We differentiate. I like I like elves. You like, like you always make fun of me for liking elves. I just that's just because you like them so much. Okay, okay. I like I don't like all elves. I like wood elves because I feel like they're the perfect mixture of good guy and bad guy. It's like an anti hero. Like they're only ever going to help the good guys if it somehow would mean that their homeland and in forest is secured. If like someone else is getting war waged on them and there's no chance for like the, the, the enemies to enter into the forest, which was called Athel Lauren at the time, they they like have fun dying. Like they didn't care. And I loved <laughs> that selfishness. Oh. Um That's very like that's very like America World War Two of you. <laughs> kinda. Yeah, I, I guess so. Like um, yeah, I'm sure it's bad guys. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> Pearl Harbor. Okay, we're in this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. Um, so yeah, I love I love that about them. Like even if like a human strays into the forest, they're gonna they're gonna kill them, scalp them, and put them outside the forest for all the humans to know. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, don't come in here. Yeah. Um, be, beware of dogs. Yeah, yeah exactly. So so yeah, what else got redone before that? They looked super wonky, um, but the redone stuff was super awesome. So I picked that up and then I kind of ran with that for a super long time. Um, and that was a lot of fun. You still have all that stuff. I still have all my wood house. Yeah. We play once a year. Once a year. <laughs> we got to play some, we got to play again because soon my army is going to be right. null and void. <laughs> yeah. We should, yeah, we should play like, we should play a huge game, a game where if the, if the model dies, you have to destroy it. Oh, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> we should play a huge game. Like I, I probably have like 4,000 points of what else in age of Sigmar. I probably have at least that if all my death stuff kind of put together. Yeah. I got, I have Nagash. That's like 800 points. Yeah. Right there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so good. yeah, that would work. Um, so then at this point in the, in the narrative, I'm an eighth grader. This is going a lot slower than John's. Um, right. But yeah. it's, it's about to go faster. So when I entered into high school, um, between freshman year and pretty much senior year, it was like, Ooh, girls. Yeah. Um, and video games yeah. and like extracurricular activities like soccer um, or like whatever else I did in, in high school. Make it up real quick why, right now. Why are you at me? <laughs> I hear your little nose laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> Don't. It's just good hearted snarky. I played nothing. soccer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like a... I, is it, I couldn't control it. It just came out. <laughs> you just scoff naturally. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I got got a job too. Uh, up until that point, I was mowing lawns for my, for my minis. Um, but I got a job. So I just didn't have time to paint miniatures and fell to the wayside. And then eventually, 
um, what happened was the lease for the Games Workshop in that mall went went out and it didn't renew it. So it was gone. I had no reason. I had no ability to, to continue to paint miniatures, so I didn't. But then eventually, um, there was a miniature put very close to my hometown. So it basically was a 25-minute drive to get to GW. Now it was like a 10-minute drive. It was like oh. really close to me. So I'm like a freshman in college at this point. I reconnect with a friend uh, whose name is also Scott, uh, and I show him the hobby, and he loves it, and he gets super into it, and that makes me super into it. We're going to this store locally. One of the employees in the store was from the original store, so that made it even better. I knew this uh, guy for years. I still know him for years. His is that the is... guy that we had dinner with at Adepticon? That's him. That's Luke. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's him. Um, that's a story then, for another day. That's a yeah. story for another day, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just everything was, was great. Uh uh, my friend Scott was super into the game and that was making me super into the game. And then uh, our story turns <laughs> for the worst. A horrible, horrible turn. A horrible turn, but probably the reason why this podcast exists right now. Um, so Scott d- doesn't paint miniatures, has never painted miniatures, and will never paint miniatures. Okay. He he always commissions all of his stuff. Wow. And um, my... I was his first commission artist and I had no idea about commissions or, you know, you know, how kind of all consuming they can be. Sure. And also how to quote for price. Ooh. And so basically he gave me a few blood angels to paint and I was painting them up pretty, pretty fast and, and kind of pumping them out, but I couldn't paint them as, as fast as he could give them to me. Hmm. He was, you know, he had a lot of fast and loose cash and he was oh. just, he was just pouring it into blood angels and so it got to the point where I'm like probably like a sophomore or junior in college now. And it's just like, I have a, this commission. I, there's no way I'm going to finish it. It is a burden on my soul. So I just shut down. So like sophomore, meh, most of sophomore, all of junior, all of senior year in high school. And then my last half semester of, uh, of college in, in Minnesota, I just didn't paint at all. Maybe I went to the GW once in Eden Prairie mm-hmm. to check it out. Um, but I didn't do any painting. And then eventually... What happened was I was like, I need to, I need to finish this. So this is now we're up to January of 2016. And I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do to make this more enjoyable. I'm going to make a YouTube channel and make videos about miniature painting. And then my idea was, was that if I involve myself in the hobby of miniature painting regularly, that will make me regularly think about the blood angel commission and then I'll be more prone to paint it. So this is all behind your guilt of finishing that commission? Yeah. Wow. So basically, because um, like the idea is that I could forget about this thing for a week at a time, a month at a time. Yeah. But if I'm always invested, I'll always be thinking about it. And so I got like six months deep into YouTube and I was making a video a week and it was working out just fine. And then I was like, I'm not finishing this commission still. Maybe I'm like painting a little bit, but it's not working out. So I took a week off work and painted like 14, 16 hours a day for like eight days straight. And I finished it. I finished it all. And I cannot explain to you. I almost want to cry right now. (laughs) The burden that was lifted off my shoulders when I finished that army and I made that video and I delivered it to him. I was just like, I am a free man. And it was amazing. It was so amazing. I'm surprised you didn't just like cut bait for everything right there because of all of the emotional baggage that went along with the hobby. Cut bait. What's that mean? Like I did it. I'm done with it. I'm not doing anything with this hobby ever again. Oh, really? Because it was 
this weight of negativity over oh, my shoulders. Yeah, no, yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds reasonable. But I, I was so excited to do other things in uh, the hobby, yeah. um, like paint my own stuff, and and now it's gone. So if if you think if if you're a watcher of my YouTube channel and you, and you think you know, Scott kind of hates commission and, and commission, that's why I have a very negative history with it. And it's not because of Scott's fault. It's because I didn't understand like the implication of agreeing to paint an entire army. I don't know how to quote for it or anything like that. And that was the the start of something very big, even though it, at the time it doesn't feel like it. Right. It doesn't, you know, it's yeah. hard to make that connection. But I guess if you had to draw the line back to what was the start of the success you've had on YouTube, that would be that day where you're like, okay, I'll do all of your guys. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, fast forward three and a half years later, I've quit my job as a software engineer to become a miniature painting YouTuber, which sounds so stupid and no grandmother would ever understand right. what my job is. Um, but yeah, in, in now, you know, fast forward a few more months and here's this podcast. So yeah. we could say that all credit is due to Scott. Yeah. Uh, he gets, he'll get his, uh, he'll get his cut, cut of royalties. Cut. <laughs> it's all in John Bucks though. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, a lot, you know, some minor things happen in between then and now, but that that's pretty much the gist of it. So we're, I've got questions. Okay. Questions from the audience. Questions from the audience. Any okay. Questions. Question number one. Okay. Lady in the green shirt. All along the path, especially when you were younger, were you painting that whole time or was it mostly playing? Is it like 50-50 mix? Or? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, uh, I would say it was pretty strongly 50-50. So I had a fully painted Mannheim army or like 90, 90% painted and, um, this is actually another thing that I want to bring up for audience members. I sold that entire army to the local game store here for in-store credit. Um, and I regret that. Actually, no, I sold it to Scott. Scott. I sold him the Middenheim specific models that you can't get anymore. They're, they're called the Tojin guard, um, storm wolves and uh, things like that. You can't get them. It, they're in his army. Now they're on circular bases for age of Sigmar. Hmm. Um, and he uses them as great swords. Uh, but awkward. yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're two handed hammer kind oh, of okay. guys. It, it works out. They just, they sure. look different. And I, I regret that. Um, I also sold my vampire count army, um, most of it to the local game store for in-store credit. And then with that in-store credit, I bought the new vampires, which then I proceeded to sell to John. Yes. And, and now I have literally nothing to show for my vampire army. But um, in, in your defense of those, the stuff you sold to me wasn't painted. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just, it was nuanced sprue essentially yeah. other than the hex wraiths. Yeah, um, which were only completed up to what you did in that video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the fire video. Yeah, um, and I could probably sell those on eBay for a lot of money now. Probably not. Um, and then the orcs, uh, the forty k orcs, I sold to a friend, and I regret all of this. So what I want to say is, if you have an army that is old, maybe um, don't sell it. I think you should really hold on to it because nostalgia has real weight and value. And, you know, five years down the line, you're going to be like, what do I have to show for my, my, my miniature hobby? And if you sold your entire history, it's like whatever you've painted in the last six months or a year. And it's kind of sad. It makes me sad thinking about it. I wish I still had my Middenheim army and my, my, uh, my vampire army so I could show them in videos. I, yeah. could, do, I could do a cool history of Miniac, yeah. but I can't do that. All I have is the Lord of the Rings stuff. Um, Especially yeah. the the painted stuff like i i yeah. get like look we're all most of us probably 99.9 percent .9 of us that are listening to this podcast 
have more models right now than we are going to be able to paint in the next five years. Right. And we, we keep buying. So yeah. there's something yeah, yeah, good yeah. about purging and re, re, re get using that funds for something else. Sure. That excites you. Sure. Sure. Um, as long as it's stuff that's, you know, not painted. Yeah. And you, you talked me out of this actually recently too. I know. Yeah. I'm so glad I did. Cause your stuff is, my stuff was poorly painted cause I was a, I was a sixth grader and an eighth grader, but your stuff for your death guard army is very well painted. Yeah. That was all like a, we had a, a slow grow thing in our, in our campaign, in our local store. And it was like, all right, you had to start off with, it was like 500 points. And then within four months, it was up to a 2000 point army. And so in four months, I painted a 2,000-point army. And I just completely burned myself out because of having to paint only that. Mm -hmm. But it felt really freaking good at the end to be like, I got 2,000 points here, dude. You see it all there. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm like, I don't play 40K very much or really at all. Um, I don't have a lot of time to play the games that I want to play. The ones Age of Sigmar I like the most. I like playing Guild Ball. Asterisk. I... (laughs) (laughs) um stuff like that so i just don't have a lot of time to play so i'm like realistically meh but you're right there's no reason instead i sold off a bunch of my death guard that was on sprue new in the box whatever I'm totally fine with that yeah and that stuff's gone yeah um so yeah if you got an old army lingering around like don't sell it like you're gonna you know some family will come over and they'll be like you know show me some painted models and you can show them those things maybe you have a niece and a nephew or like a or a child and you can show them, you know, that stuff from, from your past. And I think it's a really cool thing to see. And you'll take a lot of pride from having those painted models. I think so. Mm-hmm. Don't sell that stuff. I got another question. Okay. Um, so I, we get the idea of your background into the, the gaming side of it, the painting side of it, and probably even from the, the interest in fantasy sounds like it comes from your mom originally. So I yeah, get that sure. stuff. Um, what about the video side and like, cause that has nothing to do with this hobby. It's a totally separate endeavor. Yeah. Um, are you always interested in like making videos or you just like YouTube? So you feel like, Oh, whatever. This is my catalyst. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, I don't know what started me consuming YouTube, but I've been watching it since I was probably like a freshman in college, like, like as my main form of entertainment, like not watching TV. And my favorite channels at the time, and, and still is Corridor Digital and a, a one that no longer exists called Freddy W or is now called Rocket Jump. And their whole thing was visual effects skits. And so they would just like, the skit necessarily, it'd have a small story, but the real reason was to show off a cool visual effect trick. Like they'd do a thing called portal trick shots where it was like doing sweet slam dunks on a, on a basketball hoop, but using portals from portal. Uh. And it was like, and it's how creative could you get with this idea? And they were so cool. So I was like, so I was like, okay, visual effects are awesome. So I started to learn some visual effects and I was like, how do I, how do I show the world this? And I was like, okay, let's make a YouTube channel where I kind of show off some cool visual effects in, in, in tandem with, something that I enjoy. So at the time it was crisis Two, the video game. Oh boy. Are so, these videos still out there in the universe somewhere? I have them on, on my computer. Okay. Um, but so <laughs> funny story, the Miniac channel was originally called S dubist and it was originally a crisis Two uh, channel. So all the videos that were on there were crisis two and crisis three videos. I've removed them all. They used to be unlisted, but I removed them. Um, but so yeah, it was, it was first that, and I gained probably 500 to 600 subscribers making videos for that game. Um, but I would also include fun little 
visual effects. I'd do like a cool smoke reveal of a title or add a uh, muzzle flare to a, a cardboard gun cutout that I made from the game or yeah. something like that. So it, that was really it. The visual effects were, the, were kind of the catalyst for it. And then I, you know, then I realized I love YouTube so much. I love consuming it. I love the community of YouTube creators. Um, why not give it a shot? It really, I'm always about combining my interests and that was just one massive combination of my interests. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know the answer. That's why I was legitimately interested in that. I always assumed that there was, this had something to do with like, you worked as a software engineer. So it was something like you knew more of this stuff because of your computer nerd background. And yeah. Stuff, but yeah. No, it totally, doesn't sound like it. Totally unrelated to the software engineering stuff. But I, I have a question for you. So, you know, you're an old guy. <laughs> Your days are numbered, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you've selected miniature painting to be your your one thing that you do in your free time. That and you you play D and D every other Sunday. Every other Sunday, yep. Right. So you know you have a you have a child. You, you mm-hmm. don't have you don't have you don't have the most as as much free time as a as a freshman in college who's unmarried. Right. Might have, right. So what about? I got money though. Got, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> that's that's the beauty of being uh being older. Um, you what what about miniature painting? Is it that you selected it as your your hobby, your main hobby? Mm, good question. Well, I I've always been an, an art nerd, and um, I've always had a lot of like internal satisfaction of creating things. Okay. So when I was a kid, I was I was gonna I wanted to be a comic book artist when I grew up. I like I did a lot of drawing, a lot of pen and ink, a lot of you know a, a lot of stuff where that's where I thought I was gonna be. Um, and so I've always been interested in art and I always had a lot of this innate, like I get satisfaction of like seeing something that I created and, mm. and then also from the egotistical side of it, like people saying, Whoa, you're the best drawer, man. Like I felt really good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I, uh, was going to go to school to art school. Um, but also my parents was like, that is a terrible idea. <laughs> um, so I went to school to be an architect. So I thought, so that was my next transfer to it was to design architectural design interior design understanding uh you know learning of the history of architecture and trying to create my own versions of on historical buildings and that kind of stuff so i really was interested in that and then i decided i didn't want to be an architect but creative outlets always i jump from one to the other i've gone through various times in my life where i've been very heavy into creation of music instead so i've played the the drum since i was about 10 and i played guitar since i was about 12 so i've always been interested in and there's another creative outlet so there's always been a creative outlet for me but usually the creative outlet side in like the nerd love fantasy love lord of the rings love harry potter all that kind of stuff were kind of separate mm-hmm. unless i was like I was like drawing elves and vampires. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, because back when I was younger, I did have a connection, but later on, they, they kind of lost touch. But something about this hobby hits the, th- uh, like, all my erogenous zones. Of- <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's satisfying on multiple levels. Yes. Creatively, strategically for the game. Yeah. Driven by the lore, which is fantasy-based, which you're into. It's the same thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an efficient I, hobby. It is. And, and, you know, especially as the older you get, time is not something you get a lot of. Mm-hmm. And there's two parts about it that I think are valuable from this aspect as, as I get older is one, just like you talk about being um, 
it hits multiple levels. So right, only so many hours in the day. If you can do something, something that hits multiple levels, that's great. Right. Um, but two, when I have forty-five minutes, or when I, you know, I, I, I can interact with this hobby in times where I don't have to schedule a game, or I don't have to make sure wife is cool with me sitting in front of the computer for three hours. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. it's there's something about it that. And maybe not everyone's significant other has this, but like my wife is way cooler with me painting than she is with me sitting and playing video games. And that is a hundred percent how my wife is. Yeah. Um, Cause she doesn't like how I angry I get when I play video games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need help mid, help mid. See, that's the problem with being a tryhard is that you're so emotionally invested in the outcome of the game that you get really mad when things don't go right. the way you want them to go. Yeah. And you need to like be in, engrossed in the hour and 40 minutes that it takes to play that match. Yeah, yeah. And you, they do not like it. You can't you, stop you can't to go it. let the dog out <laughs> or to go to go help the kid or to, to you know, do anything. It's Take like a dump. It's like, it's nope. Like, yeah, I need to be here for this. But yeah, so the hobby is different. Yes, it is. So, so yeah. All right, so there's my answer. Excellent. All right, and that's going to end the, the segment where we discuss the topic of the day, which in this case was, who are we? Um, what is our history and our background in miniature painting and, and why are we interested in it today? Uh, and now on to the news segment. You want to do a little music diddly? There it is. News. Uh, first topic of the day. Um, we're sorry if these topics are GW focused. That's the that's the game that we primarily play, so that's what we're most concerned with. Um, a new death faction was just announced recently at Nova Open, uh, and I, I'm gonna butcher this name. Ociarch Bone Reapers. Yeah, I think it's Ociarch. Ociarch. That sounds cool. Bone Reapers. Or is it Ociarch? Ossia. It doesn't matter. You know what we're talking about. Uh, ostrich arc. Yeah, we'll call so it that. Ostrich like. arc. Bone uh, Reapers gives me a little bit of a cringe to hear that. Like, how cliche. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind the, of one of those two nerd words put together. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. it is. Bone Reaper. Yeah, back, going back to our last episode where we talked about Bone Saw. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, that name is is very it's very heavy it's like there's a lot going on yeah um it could have been maybe simplified a little bit but anyways new death faction the one everyone thought was going to be tomb kings but is a little bit different probably you know significantly different yeah can we check back the tape because i'm pretty sure i said it's not tomb kings it's something they can control the ip of that, and then I said it was Tomb Kings. You said it was Tomb, Tomb Kings. Yeah, so I was wrong, although I, it's kind of like Tomb Kings. It, it's, yeah, I would say you're not wrong in that. It has a, a slight kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's, they're, they're men of the Orient. They're, if anything, it's more Asian than it is Egyptian. It is, yeah. Right, so you have some samurai skeletons. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, those, there's some like um, Mongol influences right, as well. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but also just like, I don't know, some of the units look like Tyranid skeletons. Like if imagine yeah. a Tyranid with no skin, that's an Osiarch Bone Reaper. Um, like multiple limbs and stuff like that. Yeah, there's memes out there of like Tyranids making babies with Necrons. Like <laughs> oh, yeah, that, there and you that's, go. That's what this army is. So and they're, they're not wrong. <laughs> right. So, you know, I want to know from you, with the one word answer, do you like these guys? Yes or no? 
Do I have to say yes or no? I just have one word. Yeah. Meh. No. Yeah. I, I, yes? I, yes. Okay. My answer is no. So you're obviously you're like at a 55% yes right now or, yeah. or something like that. What about it is it that you like? That main dude looks so freaking cool. I think it looks cool too, but he has a lot of crap going on. He has like two dudes on his base and all like no, he's got four, There's four dudes oh, on his God. base. There's his attendants. Can you imagine painting that? Uh, it would take forever. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to totally paint it. Are you? Well, if I play this army, I have to buy it. Wait, him. you're going to play this army? Well, yeah. Why wouldn't I? I got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't know that. I, okay. I didn't know you liked it that much. You're gonna buy it, yeah. I think so. Okay. I don't. I don't know. It depends on what the rules are. Now I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a little bit. You know, try hardy on this. Is it depends on how good the army is. Well, it's a new army, so it's probably gonna be good. Probably, but not all are. Okay. Sy- Sylvaneth is not good right now, and they just came out with a new book. So. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. So it's it's hit and miss, but they're probably better than average. Yeah. So. The majority of the range to me is unappealing. Uh, the Mortark, though, is pretty sick. Yeah. Um, but he does have a lot going on. I'd never paint that model, um, but I, I'd love to see other people paint that model. The other hero guy with the scythe and like the thing coming out of a little crystal He's or like something? Kinda, he looks like a Necron, 100%. Yes. Yeah. I like him for okay. the most part. I don't like the design of his scythe, but I'm just being a nerd on this. But him, I like the look of. I mostly do not like the look of the forearm looking. I hate undead those. Goro looking guys. Yeah, don't like them either. Um, and then their basic skeleton warriors have like this like insane clown posse smile on their faces. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, they do. They do. They look like the they look like the Joker basically. Interesting. Like okay. mechanical, maniacal, mechanical, maniacal <laughs> smiles those, on their face. Words. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I don't know. Uh, you put a glimmer of hope in me that the new death faction was going to be one that was vampires. I know. I really, really hoped it was. And the more we talk about how GW isn't interested in investing in an IP they can't control, the more I have to come to terms with the fact that they aren't going to make a vampire army because that's not something they own. Probably not. Right. So they can, they can deviate it from it slightly and still control it though. They can make them vampires but they call them like if you call them the Strigoi or something like that, yeah. and you have a certain kind of tweak to the aesthetic, they can do that. But like Soul Blight, that's the name of the vampires, right? Soul Blight. Currently, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that GW make a fully vampiric army. I would. You would play that. You would play them, and you wouldn't care about what else ever again. Now that I'm. Homeless. <laughs> <laughs> I would love a vampiric army. That'd be amazing. Yeah, you are a, an Age of Sigmar hobo, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You just have like a like the stick with your your bag around on the stick, walking down the train oh, tracks yeah. with your old models of elves inside yeah, the bag, yeah. looking for people to play Eighth Edition fantasy. <laughs> uh, um, so. Yeah, so those that was the new death faction. Um, you can let us know if uh, if you like them. We'll have links to all the stuff we're talking about in the show notes, so you can go and check them out for yourself. Um, also announced at uh, Nova Open was the long-awaited Sisters of Battle. Um, and uh, I think they look like refined, like the current pewter models refined and made a little bit bigger and then made in plastic. They didn't deviate too much from the aesthetic of Sisters of Battle, 
they kind of refreshed them, gave them some more unit options, and those are coming out soon. And I know about a thousand and one nerds who are super excited just to eat this up. Yeah, you don't want to say anything negative about their new sculpts because you will get eaten alive on the internet yeah. about them. So I don't mind them a whole lot, but you're, they just don't do it for you, right? Uh, actually, the one that I did like was the one that all the other nerds that are the fans didn't like. The, and that's the, the robed one? He, yeah, where the one that looks like she's more like a, a basic monk yeah, nun. That's my favorite one. Yeah. I like that one. They don't like, like this is not like true to their aesthetic and their history and blah, blah. I'm like, no, it's freaking cool. It looks, it looks just like what I would imagine a sister battle like leader would look like kind of nunish and kind of, I don't think we're talking about the same one, but are we not? No, it's, I think it was a more of a basic, it's a more of a basic unit. They're more like their troops that have, they're wearing just like little shoes and like sweatpants and they're, we're going to look this up. Okay. Nova Open. I think this one was announced a while ago, though. I don't Warhammer think it was. Community. My problem with they, why they don't do it for me is because I am, for the entire entirety of me being like having a pulse on this hobby, I've heard nothing but people bitch about Plastic Sisters for years, and now you get them, and it's like they didn't, they didn't change anything. Like, yeah. They don't look cool and new. They don't look like you took advantage of the 3D sculpting technology to make them look more, you know, tough and cool. No, it's, they're just kind of, you know, yeah. not, not in metal anymore. And, they and so I was like, meh. They didn't really take any design risks uh, with the models themselves. Um, they're very much so true to form. Um it's none of those. None of those. Okay. So we, we couldn't find the one that John was talking about, but this is the one that I was talking about that I like. Um, oh, the old lady? Yeah, the old lady. She's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of, a, it's going to, you know, it's going to make big waves. There are so many people that like Sisters of Battle, um, you know, myself included, uh, but my, my hipster attitude gets in the way of ever wanting to buy them. I can't be like anyone else, you know? Yeah, all these other people are already have the money spent. Yeah, they're chopping at the bit to yeah. to, to play this army. But well, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. What do you do when these are out and they also just got another Primaris book, so now the Space Marines are even spicier than before? Well, I'll never play Space Marines. Oh, I know, but all the other nerds are also playing those that army as well, so now... They're double dipping? Yeah, they're double dipping. <sighs> I don't know. That's not, <clears> that's not yeah. okay. Um... Well, that's that. You know, that's all we have to say about that. Uh, the uh, in, in other non-GW related news, uh, Broken Toad acquired the intellectual property and licensing to make a probably probably display miniature oriented versions of Dark Crystal, which is a an old show movie. It was a movie. Oh, sorry. Oh, geez, an old movie <laughs> that is being made popularized again on Netflix in show form correct so, yeah okay you good. got that one you got it <sighs> pass the test as um, well as labyrinth and yes labyrinth as well i never watched these things as a child oh yeah um, they're before your time yes yeah, so if you're interested in that that art direction uh broken toad is going to if i had a guess they're probably going to make busts based on yeah. this series um and, and broken toad is kind of cool like they they kind of always pride themselves on being incredibly legit in how they conduct business in terms of you know doing things legally in the first episode of the podcast we talked about how lots of companies like scale 75 
we'll just flat out steal IP from popular things and make models until they get caught and then yeah. you know, get slapped with a, you know, yeah. a cease and desist. Uh, but but they it seems like they did it the right way, went through the right avenues. They're in it for the long haul. So are you excited for these models or no? I am. I'm really excited to paint David Bowie's cod piece <laughs> because it is the most infamous cod piece in the history of American cinema. Do you think the bust will have a cod piece? No, that's why it needs to be a full like 75 millimeter model. Okay. It can't be a bu- it can't just be a bust. Like people would people would be upset if he didn't get his cod piece. If you did cuz it's like you need to watch first of all All right, this may be people may not want to hear this. I don't particularly like Dark Crystal the movie, but Labyrinth is one of the greatest fantasy movies of all time. Whoa. The soundtrack is amazing. I own the soundtrack. It's so good. It's got David Bowie in it, so it's going to be some great music and yeah, stuff. Yeah, right, right. Um, and it's got Jennifer Connelly, you know? I mean, come on. Amazing movie. But, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited. Okay, cool, yeah. I mean, I, I own a, a Broken Toad bust, and the casting is absolute quality mm-hmm. so i mean in terms of getting a quality miniature like there should be you know no hesitation they're gonna they're gonna make great minis i um, mean the last thing that i want to talk about uh is uh this is not recent news but creature caster came out with this thing uh called i don't know is it is it the creature caster creator it's like the partner program Yes, you you are a creature creator, right? Term. So, creature caster, in my opinion, is is way ahead of the game in terms of how to take advantage of this budding online content creating community. That was a lot of words, um, <laughs> but so like, you know, I do sponsored videos on my on my channel, and when you pitch a price to a company that you know is does not not familiar with working with creators, they're like we can't afford that. What are you talking about? You don't offer that kind of value to be able to charge that amount. Um, so we're not, we, we're not fully evolved yet in terms of uh, being able to charge like what kind of exposure and value we're worth. But creature caster is here starting a partner program where you can join it. You don't get paid for it, which is kind of a bummer. What you get paid with is like exclusive access to release uh, releases for free. You get their paint for free. You like, you know, probably priority communication with creature caster themselves. Um, so you get this, this uh, kind of uh, symbiotic relationship where you advertise their stuff and they pay you in miniatures and miniature supplies. Hmm. What so, do you think about that? Um, I think if I was someone who had a thousand subscribers on YouTube or 2000 or, you know, and a small amount of followers on Twitch, I think it'd be a cool thing. It'd be a cool launching pad. Yeah. But I don't think it has legs because you can't pay your mortgage in creature caster models. Um, what? You're right. This is, this is always my thing. Whenever I tell uh, a company is like, I do this for a living and I bet other people out there are interested in doing it for a living. And in order for us to do it for a living, we need to be paid for the exposure we give people. Yeah. So this, this is an, you know, it's kind of an interesting area to talk about. It's like, you know, what's that worth? What are people willing to pay, et cetera. Um, so I like it for people who are, are just getting started. But I think as you start to grow, I think it has less value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was kind of, where I was at with it too, but I just was curious to see if you felt the same or different. I think it's cool. Um, 
think does a great job of Creature Caster getting pretty cheap promotion. Yeah, yeah, to, absolutely, yeah. Because it's it's spread across a variety of creators and not just putting all your eggs in one or two creators' baskets. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm just super into it because it just shows like a maturity of, of the market to be interested in doing those kinds of things. Like right. lots of sites have partner programs set up like Amazon associates, for instance, where you earn a commission based on the sales you make and, and stuff like that. And that's very much so a new age content creator thing. So to see someone in the miniature community doing that kind of gives me hope. I like it. I like it. And the flip side of that, we've got a, the, uh, you know, the giant in the industry in Games Workshop that don't seem to have any interest whatsoever with not only involving the creators in the community, but advertising anywhere. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So I have a, a business relationship with GW and the extent of it is they just give me their models a week before they come out. Which is like not even enough time to make a video that's any good about that figure and yeah. get it out in time for the release. Um, it's just the, you're you're part of the unboxing crew now, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah so, um, and I've 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 sat in in voice, you know, chats with GW talking about the value that I can offer their company in the way of a direct sponsorship and a call to action to buy their product, and it isn't something they're interested in yet. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll change. Maybe they just believe that. They don't need that because they get it for free in so many other places because their game is so ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it'll never change. Who knows? Yeah. And and not that not that that's a, a negative, you know, a, a killing blow for those looking to you know, yeah, have an online presence or or make money on. Oh know, yeah, you, YouTube you because don't, you don't need that. There's so many third party companies right now too that dealing stuff with a hobby that it's like you don't need no they're they're all the you know the little sucker fish on the bottom of the sharks that keep the sharks from all the parasites eating them <laughs> but i mean they need the shark but the shark it's like sharks a lot healthier because of them right I, I love analogies yeah you do and i don't mind them okay that was, that was good I Occas- that occasionally that I, I completely whiff <laughs> <laughs> but could you picture the sucker fish Okay, I, I didn't know what the name of they are; those fish are. But no, no, I have no idea. Right. So anyway, so yeah, there, there's still a lot of other folks in other companies that see value in promoting their product because they're not just a a household hobby name, mm-hmm. you know. That's gonna do it for this episode, guys. Thanks for hanging out and listening to us chat about our journey in the miniature painting world. Um, Here's Crusher. He's joining us for the outro of this episode. <laughs> um, if you guys like the uh, podcast, make sure to tell your nerd friends about us. We are on all places where you can find podcasts, most notably Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you could leave us a review and subscribe to us on those various platforms, that would help us kind of get higher and higher in the recommended feed for Apple Podcasts. And hopefully this uh, uh, podcast can become more successful. If uh, you're interested in supporting the show, we have two ways you can do that via Patreon. Uh, in the Patreon, you get fun things like access to an extended show. Uh, you also can support us via merch. And if you're watching the video version right now, John's wearing one of our t-shirts with our logo on it. But that's all for now. We'll catch you guys, not next Monday, but the Monday after that with a new episode. Catch you guys later.